0: Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Let me read. And We also thank God constantly for this. That when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God which is at work in you believers. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, we come before you today with our Bibles open, our scriptures before us, our minds and hearts ready to hear what you would say to us through the sacred scriptures. Guide the preacher. Guide us all here today in our mutual responsibilities, whether it be preaching or receiving the Word of God, that your truth would be proclaimed and received. Amen. Grant us the blessing of your spirit to bring us about. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 On his second missionary journey around the Mediterranean region, Somewhere in the years 49 to 51 A.D., Paul, along with his co-workers, Silas, or Silvanus, and Timothy, arrived in the Greek city of Thessalonica. This city is situated in, now, a country called North Macedonia. It's on the northern border of Greece, and it's the country where Alexander the Great was born in 356 B.C. We read chapter 17 earlier in the service, which tells us that the missionary band, these three men, went into the Jewish synagogue in Thessalonica when they arrived, and on three successive Sabbath days, Paul, the apostle, preached from the Old Testament scriptures showing that the promised Christ, the Messiah, was fulfilled, the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. Many of the people, both Jews and Gentiles, believed the message and accepted the gospel. Well, there was such a favorable response that the Jews, some of the Jews in the city, were jealous and they stirred up a hostile mob against the missionaries, so they had to escape by night. Well, the short ministry of these three men in Thessalonica was not in vain. From those who believe the message of the gospel, a church was formed, and to this church, Paul, along with his two companions, wrote two letters of apostolic instruction and advice. These two letters, First and 2 Thessalonians, are invaluable revelation from God through Paul so that the church in all ages might learn more of Christ and is working in our lives as his people. Our passage today, which is really just one verse, is in my opinion one of the most precious texts in the Bible, because it reveals to us how God communicates to his people, how he instructs them, how he brings us to faith, and how he enables us to grow spiritually as Christians. I want to look at four things today in this passage. First of all, we want to look at the preacher's gratitude for the Thessalonians' attitude. And then we want to look at the Thessalonians' reception of the Revelation. And then we want to look at the working of the Word in the Thessalonians' lives. And finally, we want to consider the Word as it is working today. So first of all, the preacher's gratitude for the attitude of the Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. I'm calling these three men the preachers because only one of them was an apostle, Paul. He was the chief spokesman and the main preacher, but he was supported by Sylvanus and Timothy. Well, there's two things I want to say about these preachers' gratitude. First of all, they were thankful to God himself for the wholehearted response of the Thessalonians to the gospel message. They weren't thankful to the Thessalonians. They didn't say, thank you Thessalonians for believing the gospel message. They didn't thank them because they knew the reason they believed the gospel message was not in themselves, but it was the initiative and power and purpose of God that caused them to accept and believe the message. These preachers knew their Reformed theology. They knew that all humankind is dead in sin, condemned both by Adam's sin and their own sin. And these men and women in Thessalonica had no desire, no power to lift themselves out of their spiritually dead condition. These Gentiles, and many of them were Gentiles, most of them probably, were quite happy to keep worshiping their pagan gods. So God had to move on them first. He had to open up their minds to understand the gospel. The only reason they responded to the gospel preaching was because God enabled them to believe and respond. The preachers weren't slapping the Thessalonians on the back and congratulating them for their wisdom and foresight in believing the gospel. They weren't saying, Thank you guys, good job. Thank you for deciding to follow Christ. But what they were saying, they were talking to God. They were praising God and saying to God, Thank you, God, that you had mercy on these Thessalonians and enabled them to repent and believe the gospel. These preachers knew that all of their preaching and persuasion would have been to no avail had not the Holy Spirit himself opened the Thessalonians' blind eyes and awakened them from spiritual death. Therefore, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy were singing probably something like this, To God be the glory, great things he has done, He has brought these Thessalonians to faith in his son, hallelujah. So God was the one glorified, not the Thessalonians, although they were very happy. It was the sovereign grace of Almighty God who sent these preachers to them and then opened up their minds to understand the gospel and commit themselves to Jesus Christ. It's no different today. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it's because God brought the gospel to you. Mm-hmm. And by his Holy Spirit, he woke you up, enabled you to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. So you can't really congratulate yourself or I can't c- congratulate myself. We have to congratulate God the Father and thank him for his mercy to us. So these preachers were thankful to God not to the Thessalonians, because God is the one who saved them. Secondly, we see that these preachers' gratitude to God for the Thessalonians' acceptance of the word of God, their gratitude was unceasing. The text says in verse 13, we also thank God constantly for this. These missionaries could not get over the fact of what happened during those three weeks in Thessalonica. Every time they thought about it, they gave praise to God. At the beginning of this letter, we read in chapter 1, verse 2, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. So there was this ongoing gratitude in their lives whenever they thought about the Thessalonians. Those three weeks in Thessalonica had paid huge dividends not only for the Thessalonians but in the personal lives of these three preachers. Mm-hmm. Their hearts were filled with gratitude for the rest of their lives when they thought about what God had done in those people's lives during those three weeks. Amen. Something similar should be true for us. We should be thankful for the grace of God In the lives of believers that we know. People in our family. People in our church. In spite. Of weaknesses and sins. In all of us. We should thank God. For what he's done. and What he's doing. In the lives of his people. Where would they be? Where would we be without the mercy of God? To God alone be the glory. For what he's doing. Now and forever. Amen. Well. So this is the preacher's gratitude for the Thessalonians' attitude. Now let's turn our attention to the Thessalonians themselves and their reception of the revelation. The text says, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. You see, They unreservedly received the message of these preachers. They received it as the very word of the living God because they recognized that its true source was God himself. They recognized that these three preachers were flesh and blood men just like they were. They sweated in the heat and they shook when they were cold. But they also recognized something else. They recognized the message that these men were preaching about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was not a human invention. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. And it was fulfilled when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to many. The words of the gospel were coming from the mouth of Paul. But they came with power and deep conviction into the souls of the Thessalonians. They were convicted, and they were convinced that Paul spoke the word and the truth of God, that what he said about Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, that is the Christ, was fulfilled in Jesus when he died, when he rose, and when he ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit took the words of Paul about Jesus and about human sin and and judgment and salvation and he drove them deep into the minds of the Thessalonians. They were convinced, they were overwhelmed in the realization that before the Holy God of the universe they stood naked, drenched in their sins in need of divine cleansing and mercy. The reality of God's existence and His holiness and His righteousness was poured into their minds. The word of God came alive to them in convicting power. The amazing thing is that this great message of deep convicting power came through fellow human beings like themselves. It wasn't angels who came to Thessalonica preaching the gospel. God did not speak from heaven and preach the gospel to them. But God in his wisdom and purpose ordained that the saving gospel message would come to them through the lips of three sinners who have been saved by the grace of God. Paul wrote to Titus, Titus chapter 1 verse 2, and he said this. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in His Word through the preaching. The gospel was manifested through preaching, with which I have been entrusted, says Paul, by the command of God our Savior. How does Paul say God manifested His Word? through preaching. Paul is saying, I was entrusted with a responsibility. I was given a sacred trust, a sacred treasure, and God commissioned me to deliver this sacred message to the Gentile world. That's why he was in Thessalonica. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Well, what is he talking about? What is a steward? Well, in the biblical word, it referred to someone who was entrusted to run the affairs of a prosperous household, to manage the household business. Like Joseph, for example, when he was taken to Egypt, he was the steward in Potiphar's household. He managed... Uh, All the business affairs of the household. So Paul is saying that he and his fellow preachers are stewards of the mysteries of God. They were given the stewardship of the gospel, which is the only hope for the salvation of sinners. They were given the responsibility to dispense the message, the word of God, the gospel of Christ. In particular, during these three weeks in the northern Greek city of Thessalonica. Likely during the reign of Emperor Nero. They were sent by God himself to preach the word of God. In the synagogue where they went. Paul showed them how the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. And when they heard that, it resonated with them. They believed it. They said yes. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies. He's risen from the dead. We believe in him. So they recognized the message of the apostles had divine origin. And the Holy Spirit called them to faith through the preaching of Paul and his companions. So these people, they recognized that the true source of Paul's preaching was God himself. Secondly, regarding the Thessalonians, reception of the gospel, they received the word of God unreservedly. In verse 13, Paul says, they received the word of God. Again, he uses a second verb. A few uh, words later, he says, you accepted it. You received it. You accepted it. Now, not everybody responded so positively as these people did. For example... When he went to Athens, after he left Thessalonica, we read in Acts 17, 32, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. They made fun. But others said, we'll hear you again about this. So there was a mixed reaction in Athens. Then later, when a little later, chapter 18 of Acts, Paul goes to Corinth. He testified to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said, "From from now on I will go to the Gentiles. But he went to the Gentiles in that city and he got a good response from them. In fact, he stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God to them. But here in Thessalonica, there was no mixed response, no rejection, no, skeptic, no skepticism. But it says they receive the word of God as easily as a thirsty man receives a drink of cold water on a very hot day. They accepted the preaching of the word of God for what it really was. God was speaking to them through the messengers, through the preachers. Thirdly, regarding the Thessalonians' reception of the gospel, we see that they receive the word by hearing the preacher's preaching. Verse 13 says, You receive the word of God which you heard from us. You heard it from us. You see, this hearing with the ear seems to be fundamentally important to receiving the Word of God into one's soul. This is not denying that a person could come to Christ by reading the scriptures or reading a sermon or uh, through personal conversation or hearing the word preached on the TV or internet but the scripture says faith Romans 10:17 faith comes from, hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. That is, when we hear the Word of Christ, the Holy Spirit generates faith in our lives. The Holy Spirit creates faith in our minds and hearts. We hear the Word. The Spirit takes the Word, waters it like gasoline poured on a pile of wood which explodes into flame. The Spirit takes the Word and it explodes into true faith in our minds and hearts. And we believe in Jesus. We believe He's the Son of God. We believe He died for my sins. We believe He rose from the dead. The Spirit of God welds this into our minds and hearts so there's a permanent bond and union between us and our Savior by the grace of God. The Holy Spirit uses the word to birth faith in our hearts. Now the Thessalonians accepted the missionaries preaching as God's word even though it was delivered through fellow human beings. They recognized the divine authority of what was being preached. Now, this has always been the case in revealed religion, in the Bible, ever since God began dealing with humanity in the Garden of Eden. We read in Hebrews 1.1, it says, for example, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. How did he speak? By the prophets. The message the prophets had was the way God spoke to them. God uses human beings to communicate his message, his word to other human beings. Mm-hmm. That means what we share with people if we rub shoulders with them in our daily lives can have tremendous impact as the word of God comes through our lips and to their minds. That's how God begins to work within them, and bring them to faith. Jesus' brothers did not believe his parents, his siblings, they didn't believe he was a prophet of God. They thought he was touched in the head. He was one of their family members. Yes, they acknowledged he was a pious person, but he wasn't so special to be a prophet of God. But they were wrong, weren't they? They were blind. He was a prophet. He was indeed more than a prophet. He was the prophet that Moses prophesied would come and all should listen to him. God speaks to human beings his word through other human beings. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 19, when they deliver you over do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So here again, in those kind of situations, the Holy Spirit can inspire us what to say. Paul said in 2 Corinthians thirteen three. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. Paul says, Christ is speaking in me to exhort you all. God was using the Apostle Paul in their lives. God uses you and me in the lives of other people. He doesn't speak to them from heaven. He doesn't send an angel. He sends flesh and blood. Sinners saved by a grace like you and me. To share the precious treasure of the gospel. We are stewards of the gospel of Christ. God uses human beings. To communicate his message. His word. To other human beings. Now let's consider also. Thirdly. The working of the word in the Thessalonian believers. First of all, it's an internal work. Verse 13 says, the word of God, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, he says, the word of God which is at work in you believers. The word of God did not somehow remain outside the Thessalonians. They didn't keep the Word of God at length from them, but they took it into their minds and hearts. The Word of God at work in you, says Paul. It's an internal thing, an internal work. If we have a beautifully prepared meal spread before us, we have to eat it. We have to taste it. We have to chew it, swallow it. We have to enjoy it so that it can enter our bodies and give us health and strength and pleasure in the taste. It nourishes us. It keeps us alive. It gives us energy and strength. So these Thessalonians receive the word of God internally into their minds and hearts. We have to receive the word of God. We have to take it into our inner beings. Then it begins to do its great sanctifying work, setting us apart, changing us, renewing us more into the image of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 reveals to us the power of the Word of God. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints, of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of The heart. This was the word that Paul and the other two men were preaching. This is what it was doing in their lives. It was going in, piercing between their souls and their spirits. Doing a great internal saving work in their lives. This was the word of God at work, says Paul at work in the Thessalonians. It wasn't an internal work. Secondly, it was an unceasing work. It didn't stop. Once it got going, Paul says this in Philippians 1.6. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ, the day of Jesus Christ. He's writing to the Philippians there. But the same truth is true to the Thessalonians, to all believers. The work that God begins with us, he brings it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We see this truth even in the Old Testament, Psalm 138.8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. He will fulfill his purpose for us. He began that work in the Thessalonians' lives. It was an internal work. It was an unceasing work. And it was a powerful work. Ephesians 1, verse 19. Paul talks about this power that enters the Christian lives. He says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his Power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That same power that raised Christ from the dead enters our lives. That's what the scripture says. His power entered the Thessalonians during those three weeks of gospel preaching and transform their lives, and they were never the same. Well, we've seen the preacher's gratitude for the Thessalonians' attitude. We've seen the Thessalonians' reception of the Revelation. And the working of the Word and the Thessalonian lives. And let's now consider the Word working today. preachers are set forth, they set forth the Word of God before the people of God and the congregations throughout the earth. Paul, writing to a pastor, Timothy, uh, said this in 1 Timothy 4:13, "Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, What was Timothy to do as a pastor before the people? He was to read the scriptures. Then he was to exhort them and to teach them from the scriptures. Just like Jesus did in the synagogue that day. We read from Isaiah. You see, something very important happens when we gather as a church. Paul tells us what it is in Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says... God gave these ascension gifts to the church. When Jesus ascended, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints. That's their purpose. To equip the saints. That's you and me. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who's doing the work of ministry? You are. Not just the preacher. The people of God. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. This is what the pastors and teachers do. They build up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. To our understanding of the word of God and his doctrines. And of the knowledge of the son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ. So something very important takes place in the gathered congregation. When the minister opens up the word of God and he begins to read it and teach it and explain it and exhort the people of God, the Holy Spirit is used in that human being to communicate the word of God to the people of God. And that is, according to this text, the primary means by which God equips his church. The pastors, the teachers in Christ churches are under shepherds of Christ. They've been called by God to preach and teach God's word. They are to feed God's sheep with a healthy diet of God's word. This is a great challenge and it's an awesome responsibility. I ask you to pray for me. That I would be able to teach you and preach to you. The word of God which will help and strengthen you. And this is something that needs divine help. So please pray for me. Pray for other pastors that you may know of. All faithful pastors want to feed their people the word of God. They need our prayer. So pastors, Have a responsibility before God. But congregations also have an awesome responsibility. They are to receive the word of God. As the Thessalonians did. And to receive it not as the word of a mere man. But as the very word of the living God. When I stand before you or Wayne or some other preacher preaching when we speak from the Word of God, if we are teaching accurately and faithfully what the Word of God is saying, it's your responsibility to hear it, to listen, to pay attention, to implement it, to embrace it, to believe it, to obey it. It's the faithful preaching of the Word of God by the ministers of the Word That is the way that God instructs us in the faith and he builds us up and equips us so that we can believe what is true about the word of God and put it into practice and declare it to our generation. The public pastoral ministry of the word of God as it's preached in the local church is according to the Word of God, the chief means by which the people of God grow in their understanding of the Scriptures and in their personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So we need to be diligent and attentive to our responsibilities. By God's grace, I need to faithfully teach and preach the Word of God. All of us need to hear it and receive it wholeheartedly. We need to listen with attention and with alertness. And say, what is God saying to me through what the pastor is teaching today? What does he want me to learn? What do I need to do differently? Is there something I need to change? What is God saying to me today? Through this sermon. Well, this was a great three weeks that happened in Thessalonica. It happened because the Apostle Paul was a faithful preacher of the Word of God, and God honored that. His spirit convince these people that this was the truth of God it resonated with them. Yes, what Paul is saying is true. I believe it. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm going to throw away my idols and embrace Christ and serve Him all the days of my life. Well, it's something great. It's of divine origin. This ministry of preaching... It's the way that God shows his love to his people. The way he shepherds them. The way he nourishes them. Strengthens their faith. So let's be attentive to the preaching of the word of God. That the spirit uses that word in our lives as we welcome it. As we're eager to receive it. As these Thessalonians were. So we give glory to God for His kindness, His love for His people, that through the congregational preaching of the pastors, He cares for, He nourishes, He builds up His beloved sheep. Let's pray. Gracious Father, in Your divine wisdom, You provided For the chief means by which your people will be built up in their holy faith, it's by the pastoral ministry of the preaching of the Word of God. Help us as pastors to be faithful and as people to be alert. Help us as pastors to teach your Word. Help us as your people to receive your Word and to hold it sacred. Help us to be faithful. In our proclamation and our reception of your word into our hearts and minds, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.